Good morning, everyone. Happy Thursday. What a day to be alive. You know, I woke up this morning feeling fine. I woke up with heaven on my mind. If you haven't uh, been with me very long, you know, that's a theme song that I sung as a young evangelist. <laughs> so, okay, my. My uh, humor today is very sharp, so stay tuned. <laughs> you might get a laugh or two along the way. I am convinced that God is bigger than I can think and dream. I'm convinced of that. Now, if that's a surprise to you, <laughs> so be it. Because if you're satisfied if you are, you've come to the apex of God's blessing and you're sitting on the, you know, the soft side of life, just cruising. This is all God has. This is all he's going to ever do. This is all he's ever going to do, give me or, you know, do with me. Oh, I'm going to come along and kick your, the leg out of your chair or your, you know, your, your beach chair and tell you to get up and get a hold of the promises of God and you will see an unending cavalcade, a parade of God's goodness coming by you every day. Let's talk about restoration. Before I do, let me uh, invite you again. If you haven't subscribed or liked us on Facebook, share this with someone. Give us a comment and a thumbs up. It does a good thing for us, they tell me. All right? I want to talk about restoration. To be restored back to God, the early, uh, quite a bit of the early theology, and I'm not sure of the original root it came out of, but it was very common in the 1760s, maybe back further, back through the ages, that you could not know you were saved. You did all you could do. You went to church and you, you were a good person. You may have gone to uh, you know some kind of commitment in the church. I'm not sure how deep it was, but there was a, an overarching uh, thought in theology that you couldn't know you were saved until heaven came or Jesus came or you died and went to heaven or hell, <laughs> depending on where you went. It was um, in our, in our slice of the world, it was uh, Charles Finney in the early, early 1800s. He was, he blazed through the Southeast and uh, changed the course of the church by his great revivals. But he introduced the mourner's bench. Now we call that the altar. And most of our Pentecostal background, and I'm sure the Baptist and, you know, the other wonderful gatherings that we uh, put names on. <laughs> you know, there's 35,000 different denominations in this great gospel we have. We have a lot of families and they, they have a bench or an altar where you would come and uh, kneel there 
and asked the Lord for uh, favor or for forgiveness, whatever it was. But Charles Finney began to preach that you could come to this altar, this mourner's bench, and when you got up, you would know you were saved. Well, he got persecuted, maligned, and run out of town for a while, but it, it caught on because it's the truth. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded. I love those adjectives. Listen to this, this wiry, leather-backed soldier of the cross, Paul, Apostle Paul. Man, he'd been, he'd been stoned and thrown out of town and half dead. But he said, I know in whom I have believed. And am persuaded that God is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Now, what did he commit? He committed his very self, his soul, his eternal being, his, his you know, relationship with God. I've committed it to him and he will keep that unto that day. So this whole thought of restoration, we, so, some... I was going to say we, I don't want to include myself in some of these illustrations, but some will get saved or come to Christ and then they live on the edge of anxiety all through their experience. Uh, am I good enough? Does God still love me? Uh, I wonder if he's forgiven me for that. Oh, I forgot about that sin. I wonder if God knows about it. Maybe I ought to come back to the altar and confess that one also. I have a strong opinion about confessing sins there's uh, there's some uh, denominations in theology that you come and you confess everything you ever did wrong well that's an impossibility because you don't know <laughs> you don't know how wrong you've been you uh, you was a skunk uh, <laughs> and a bad person and you didn't even know it so I don't, I don't think that's what it means when we come and confess our sins. I believe that in certain, in state, in, in the development and journey of a Christian, there's things that you need to repent of when you know you missed it. You ask forgiveness, and God says He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So, and righteousness becomes, you know, fired up again in your, in your, in your output and your, and your effect or the effect it has on you. Okay. What you confess is Jesus as Lord. What you confess is that you believe in the cross. What you are confessing is the sin of rebellion that you didn't, you didn't come to him. You ran from him. That's your confession. So when we confess that he is Lord, confess that he is my Savior. The 10,000 sins that you, you know, you've committed, they're covered in that confession and washed by the blood of Jesus. All right. Now, this restoration then, how far does it go? All right. I've I've been a real bad person, so maybe I ought to sit in the back of the church and hang my head down. Some of the greatest people that have affected the body of Christ are people that were in the darkest places in their life. 
dark sins God forgave, but they didn't just get inside the door and hang around the entrance of this thing we call salvation. They went on into the full restoration and to their destiny, back into their calling. The prodigal son, look at him. He was in the pig pen and he was wanting to eat the food. He, he said, I'm, I'm about ready to chomp down with those pigs and eat something. God, he came back and he was restored with the ring. That was the authority of the house. He got the ring from his papa's hand. The robe that showed he was back in the colors of the house. The, uh, the robe in those days had an identification on it. You could see someone walking down the road and it was almost like their, their family, you know, banner on the back or family logo by the colors they wore. And then took the best lamb, the, be the best calf, the best sacrifice and had a party. That's God's heart. That's restoration to the max. Look at a couple of scriptures here. <clears throat> in, um, in Job 42, Job, when he got his stuff back that the devil had taken, he got it back double, twofold. He got back twice as many sheep and cattle and oxen and even children than he had lost in that fiery persecution and temptation that came along his way. In Joel 2, we see a promise to return back the thing the devil has taken from you. In Exodus 22, it's, they, they were given back. If you took a, um, a sheep, stole a sheep from someone, you had to give them back five sheep. So it was a five times back, God said, you've got to restore it five times. Now, when God restores, he multiplies. So whatever you've come out of, God wants to take you into a multiplication of blessing forward. Wherever you were before your conversion, God wants to take you forward into multiplied blessings. Look at Mark 10, 29, 100-fold that seed that drops in the good ground. And let me tell you, friend, you are the good seed and he is the good ground. So plant yourself in that seed, that's, that seed in that ground, and you'll get a restoration lifestyle that you can't imagine. The old song in the church, if I could just make it in, you know, the whining, pleading, sorry, <laughs> sorrowful Christian. Oh, God, just have mercy. Instead of the bold, confident son that's been restored back to the father and has realized the father has totally forgiven and brought him back to authority and brought him back into the royal, the royal robe and the party is, is going strong in the house. That's restoration to the max. So let me challenge you today. You've stumbled. Now, I'm, when I say stumbled, in our, in our progress, faith, we, we lose our confidence, 
we lose our faith, not in Christ, not in salvation, but in the fact that it's going to happen. Is God going to do something? Am I ever going to, you know, have a promotion? Am I ever going to be healed? Am I ever going to have a relationship that's, that's healthy? You see, God wants to restore those things. Now, does that mean you'll be a billionaire someday? That's not the point. I think it's wrong to even <clears throat> put a category on it. Satisfaction and peace and contentment. Not contentment in the fact that you're just lazy and you don't want to do anything. I'm just content. <laughs> Some people used to call those guys and gals bums, but now, you know, we just, we don't. <laughs> All right. Now, listen, spiritual, the spiritual journey that you're on, God wants to restore the destiny in your spirit. When I say the destiny, I mean the, the, the confidence and the, and the understanding that there's something yet to be restored to me. Amen. I was, um, had a flashback as I'm teaching today and speaking to you of a woman that came to me in the, the crusade that we were doing in Canada up by the border of Canada, rather, right next to it. And <clears throat> I was teaching on the on these sub, this subject about restoration. She came to me. I prayed for her in the, in the line or the people that came forward, took some time to pray. And she said it had happened, something had happened to her 25 years before. It was a, you know, a, a tragedy of, of, uh, an emotional thing that scarred her 25 years. And she didn't know she could be restored back to peace. And she wrote me a letter later and told me the story. She didn't tell it all there. She wrote me a letter and she told me that that night when God came in that anointing and we prayed and God broke that thing, peace that she thought would never come back came back to her. That thing that had wounded her was removed. Now, that's the restoration God that I know. He said he would restore it a hundredfold, fivefold, twofold. He just likes to multiply and give to his kids good stuff. Amen. Well, I love you guys. I just wanted to stir your hearts this morning as you launch yourself into this day to expect God to do more than you expect. <laughs> you like that? Put, put my name to that. I just made it up. Expect God to do more than you expect. Scripture says that he will fill up your expectations. All right. Well, I'll see you in the morning, bright and early. Friday is my day of the week. I love to speak about the good things of God. Don't forget, do what you can to encourage this channel by subscribing and liking. Your prayers are essential. Your giving is appreciated. And your love is always needed. Amen. Until tomorrow morning, may the Lord bless you and open up your storehouse and catch some of that good restoration coming your way. God bless.